0: Hey, downtown family. I am so thankful to have the opportunity to preach the word of God to you again this morning. Let us pray before we begin. Father, uh, I thank you for each and every person at the downtown campus, Lord, and uh, thank you for uh, giving me this opportunity to preach this morning, Lord. I pray that you would hide me at the foot of your cross, Lord, Um, And use this word to bless your people, Father, this morning. Uh, In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but I miss large gatherings and celebrations. I am an introvert, but this season of canceled weddings, graduation parties, and other events due to COVID-19 has been kind of depressing because even an introvert like me loves a good party or gathering every once in a while. Now I have also missed gathering for Sunday services with other Christians to worship our great God together. And you know, it makes sense for us to miss large group gatherings like worship services, graduation parties and weddings and other celebrations because neuroscience has shown that our brains are created for joy. And our brains most often experience joy through relationships and connections with others. God created us in his image as relational beings. We were created to experience joy through relationship with God and other people. This is why many of you are probably missing large gatherings like me right now. But in our text this morning, there's a large, joyous celebration. There's a party that I imagine has good food like KC barbecue, good music like R&B, and good drinks like wine and LaCroix. Can you imagine being at a party with your closest family and friends, an open bar, Q39 barbecue to eat? And a good DJ playing the perfect mix of rap, soul, country, and jazz. This is the kind of celebration our hearts long for right now. And this joyous celebration and party in our text this morning is part of a parable or story told by Jesus in Luke chapter 15. Now, some of you may wonder why Jesus is telling a story that includes a joyous celebration. Well, at the beginning of Luke 15, there's tension. Let's look at Luke 15 verses 1 through 2. These verses read, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now in this passage, there are two groups of people. There are the tax collectors and sinners who were non-religious and they were considered bad people during this time. And there were the religious Pharisees and scribes who were considered as good people during this era. Ironically, the non-religious tax collectors and sinners are drawn to Jesus. While the religious Pharisees and scribes reject Jesus. The text says that the Pharisees and scribes grumbled against Jesus for welcoming sinful and broken people. This leads Jesus to tell three parables in Luke chapter 15. One about a lost coin, one about a lost sheep, and this one, a story about a lost son. And in our parable this morning, we are going to see that God rejoices and celebrates when we come home. Again, God rejoices and celebrates when we come home. Now, this story does not begin with a party or rejoicing. Our story begins with the son's rebellion. See, there are three characters in our story, a younger son, an older son and a father. And the younger son in our text rebels against his father in a big way. Let's look back at the beginning of our text. In verse 11 of Luke 15, starting in Luke 15, verse 11, our text reads, And Jesus said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Now this parable begins with the younger son making a shocking request. He basically commands his father to give him the inheritance he was going to receive upon his death right now. The younger son basically tells his father that he wishes he was dead. Imagine if you had a child that came to you and said, I want the inheritance I'm gonna get when you die right now. You would probably be hurt and angry. Now, despite this ludicrous request, the father gives his younger son his inheritance early. And the son goes off to a faraway land and blows all the money living sinfully He wasted all the money that his father gave him. He didn't invest in the stock market or 401k or buy a home. He just blew the money. In verse 14, we see that after his money is gone, there was a famine in the land. Thus, the younger son goes to work for a pig farmer. But the younger son struggles to make it financially and faces hunger due to his economic reality. So in verse 17, we see that the younger son decides to go home. But this man does not expect to be welcomed back as a son, but a servant due to his rebellion against his father. And this makes sense because he squandered his father's wealth by his rebellion. He wished his father dead and he didn't want a relationship with his father. He just wanted his stuff. Now, if I were to be real with you this morning, I see some of myself and the younger brother. I remember when I went off to Indiana University. I sought to find life apart from our Father, God. I was going to parties and doing things that I knew went against God's will. And even now, I still at times struggle with searching for life apart from God, our Father. But I don't only see the younger brother in myself. I see it in our North American Western culture. We lived in a secularized culture that proclaims that God is dead. We live in a culture that believes joy is found in doing what feels right and in seeking temporary pleasure. We live in a culture that tells us that we can find life, joy, and happiness apart from God. Despite this fact, Our culture still seeks to find life in what God has made and created. But we often squander the gifts that God gives us because we seek to find life in creation apart from our creator, God. And it's not working. It's not working. We can see this because in March before this pandemic began, there was research published about happiness levels in the United States. And Jean Twing, an American psychologist, wrote about these findings. And in her article on this research, she writes, and I quote, the years since 2010 have not been good ones for happiness and well-being among Americans. Even as the United States economy improved after the end of the Great Recession in 2009, happiness among adults did not rebound to the higher levels of the 1990s, continuing a slow decline ongoing since at least 2000 in the General Social Survey. This decline in happiness and mental health seems paradoxical. By most accounts, Americans should be happier now than ever. The violent crime rate is low, as is the unemployment rate. Income per capita has steadily grown over the last few decades. This is the Easterland paradox. As the standard of living improves, so should happiness. But it has not. It has not. This quotation highlights that despite increases in wealth and reduction in crime, we are not happier as Americans. And this was published before the COVID-19 pandemic and before racism was being nationally protested across our land. So I wouldn't even want to see happiness levels now. But this research shows that more stuff apart from a deep relationship with God and others does not bring us the joyful life we seek. And I have a question for you this morning. Do you ever struggle with seeking life and joy apart from our Father God, like the younger brother in our passage? we can look for life apart from God through work, money, sex, drugs, and broken and unhealthy relationships. Due to increased stress and anxiety from this pandemic and everything else going on in our country, it can be even easier for us to look for life apart from God. But I'm thankful this morning because verse 19 is not the end of the parable in Luke 15. The son's rebellion is not the end of the story. And no matter what we have done, it does not have to be the end of our story either. Because as this story continues, we see a father's compassion. And this compassion exuded by the father in this story points to the incredible compassion, mercy and grace of our God toward us, even when we sin by seeking to live our lives apart from him. Let's look back at verse 20 of Luke 15. This verse reads, And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. In this verse, we see that as the younger son approaches his father's home, the father sees him in the distance. And if you're anything like me, you may expect the father to be angry, apathetic, indifferent, or extremely disappointed. But our text says when the father saw his son, he felt compassion. And this compassion compels the father to do something very unusual for a Middle Eastern father in this era. It causes him to run to his son, to hug him and kiss him. The father completely embraces his younger son despite his rebellion toward him. After this, the younger son tries to get out a speech about how he is no longer worthy to be his son and how he should be viewed as as one of the father's servants but the father disregards this speech because he is so happy that his son is home instead of demoting him to a servant the father throws a big celebration to welcome his son home he tells his servant to throw a fancy robe on him and he gives his son a golden ring to put on his hand Then he tells his servants to get together the food for a feast. And by the end of verse 24, they begin the welcome home party to celebrate the return of this lost son. The father is filled with compassion and joy at the return of his son. And in a higher and holier way, Through our text this morning, we see that God our Father shows compassion and rejoices when we, his estranged children, return home. This is the truth this parable points us to this morning. God rejoices and celebrates when we come home, God rejoices when we turn back to Him after looking for life apart from Him. God rejoices and celebrates when we repent by turning from the sin in our lives back to him, even when we expect condemnation, our God shows compassion and welcomes us home when we return to him by his grace. Now I have another question for you this morning. When you sin and go against God's will, What response do you expect from him when you turn back to him seeking forgiveness? Do you truly see that God will show compassion and rejoice when you turn from your sin? Because he doesn't want any of his daughters or sons to be lost, but found through a relationship with him by faith in Jesus Christ. No matter what we have done, God rejoices and celebrates when we come home. This is the truth our text points us to this morning, and it can be hard to believe. Because we feel so much shame when we sin and rebel against God. But despite what our shame and the enemy saint tells us, God rejoices and celebrates when we come home. Amen? Now that this son is home, one may think this should be the end of the story. But Jesus continues this parable by highlighting another son's self-righteousness. The response of the older brother to his younger brother is very different from the response of the father. In verse 25, we see that the older son is out in the field, and he sees that there is some party happening in the house. So he asks one of the servants, what's what's happening, what's, what's going on? And the servant informs him that his father is throwing a party because his younger brother is home. In verse 28, we see that this revelation angers the older son. And he refuses to go into the party. When the father sees the, dis- the displeasure of his older son, he goes outside to encourage his older son to come into the party to celebrate the return of his younger brother. In response to his father, the older son basically says, You never threw a big party and celebration for me with amazing food, even though I have been serving you many years. But you're throwing a party for my younger brother who wasted your wealth. See, the older brother is upset by this party for his younger brother because of his own self-righteousness. In contemporary terms, he's saying, I've been on my younger brother's Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook account, and I know for a fact that he wasted our wealth, but you're throwing a big party for him over me, the good son who lived righteously. Can't you hear the self-righteousness in this type of response? Well, despite the older son's self-righteousness, the father responds by affirming his relational connection to his older son and telling him everything he has is his. The father basically tells his older son that he loves him and will give him anything that he owns. But he also tells him that he needs to rejoice at the return of his younger brother. Look at what the father says in verse 32 of Luke 15. This verse reads, it was fitting to celebrate and to be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Through this verse, Jesus is showing us that we should rejoice like the Father in this text when people repent and turn from their sins. Jesus does not want us to be like the religious Pharisees and scribes at the beginning of Luke 15. Jesus doesn't want his church to be a place where people are canceled. He wants us to rejoice when people turn from their sin to seek after him. This is so important because it will be hard for people to believe that God rejoices when we return home if we his people don't rejoice when people repent and turn back to God from their sins. Many Christian communities can be judgmental and cold toward those seeking to turn back to God from their sin. Now I know some of you have experienced that judgmentalism and I'm sorry for that. At times, I have been one of those judgmental people, but this is not what God calls us to as his people. God wants us to embody compassion and celebration like the Father in this parable. We should rejoice just as our God rejoices over us when we repent. This is so important because downtown family, after everything that's happened in 2020, People who haven't been to church in a while will show up. After things become more normal and you get your new building, new people and old people are going to come to your church. And when they walk through your doors, they should be embraced, welcomed, loved, delighted in, and celebrated. We should rejoice when people come back to church seeking to return home through a relationship with God and his people. Amen. There should be no judgment because we were all lost. We were all lost. And the only reason we were found was because Jesus, the God-man, took on flesh to live the perfect life we could never live. And then he died the death we deserve at the cross of Calvary. His blood has covered over all our sinful rebellion and our self-righteousness. And after his death, he resurrected from the grave. Now the Father can show compassion instead of condemnation toward us. And now by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can show the same compassion when people return home. Because due to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God rejoices when we return home. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. We thank you for showing us grace, Lord, for showing us compassion, for rejoicing over us when we turn back to you, Lord. Pray that by the power of your spirit, we would embody that same rejoicing and compassion when we encounter people that are seeking to return to you as well, Father. And I pray that you would bless this time as we transition into communion, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now we are reminded of the truth that God rejoices when we return home every week through the communion table. So if you are a follower of Jesus, have communion elements, and would like to participate in the Lord's Supper, now would be a great time to do so. More information is located below on what, why, and how of the Lord's Supper. If you need additional time, please feel free to pause the service. Hear now the word passed down to us. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and said, This is my body broken for you. In the same way, he took the cup saying, This is my blood poured out for you, poured out for the forgiveness of all our sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Whenever you are ready, take and eat.